you for joining us on Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Harriquist, and with me is my co-host, Shannon Siegeloff. Hey, Shannon. Hey, how are you? Good. How's it going? Good, good. Hey, to everybody that's listening. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking to the medical director of Memorial's new pediatric kidney transplant program, Dr. Alex Constantinescu. It's quite the name. I was going to say that's that's a mouthful, (laughs) but you did it so professionally. I was trying. Constantinescu. (laughs) Fantastic. That's a lot of... We'll talk about uh, its history and why it was necessary to bring a pediatric kidney transplant program to South Broward County. That sounds really important. Really important, actually. It is super important. But before we get into that, we have two topics to talk about during our coffee chat session, which is, number one, more women date... Uh, donate, excuse me. More women date. <laughs> they don't date organs. I apologize. More women donate organs than men. And also we're going to talk about keeping your child's kidneys healthy. I think it goes without saying that women in general, that you know, they have more empathy, more sympathy than men in theory. So I'm not surprised that more women donate than men. Um, you know, my, my, my gender is a little tone deaf sometimes when it comes to emotions and feelings. So. But a little. Do you, do you do you think about it in the opposite way? Like you think about like if maybe <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be horrible. Or maybe probably or, gonna or, have or, to or delete this. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Bear with me. Maybe when the male a man passes, the woman feels a lot of compassion and and then they bury them. And then when the female passes, the man's like, you know what? Give away your organs. Give, give away. Give away. <laughs> 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 Makes sense. I can see that. I can definitely see that. And then. Keeping our child's kidneys healthy. I, I mean, you're, you're a parent, Shannon. So um, what have you ever thought about, you know, keeping your, your child's kidney healthy? Like, I, it's, it's never really crossed my mind okay. when I'm feeding them. So the kidney is one of those, uh, is one of those organs that nobody really realizes just how important your kidney really is. Guilty. Okay? So everybody thinks, oh, you know, your kidney is used to make pee. Right? <laughs> Pretty much. Right, right. But nobody ever thinks, you know, your kidney is also used to maintain your blood pressure. Really? Your kidney is also used to maintain your metabolism. Your kidney also lets off a whole bunch of series of hormones that re- control so many aspects of your body. That includes um, red blood cell production. It also includes, um, it also, the kidneys manage your electrolyte imbalances and your electrolyte imbalances. Once you have that happen, once they go out of whack, it can actually cause heart problems, all oh sorts God. of issues. So, to your average American, your sorry, your kidney. Oh, I, I love create, it. See the passion, everybody. This is, this is the passion we're talking about. <laughs> create pee, but to the the medical world, your kidneys are seriously important. Wow, they don't so, get enough. So, like, so uh, uh, love and appreciation. Right, I'm, I'm guilty of that. And I think I'm gonna give my my kidneys some love and appreciation. Drink now. lots of water. Uh, I was gonna have some kidney beans, but that's not that's not what we're talking about. I don't think it's gonna work that way. Okay, well, uh, before we move on, uh, here's a word from our sponsors. The Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital team has every medical specialty a parent could want and the expertise every child needs. So when it matters most, trust the experts in pediatrics at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Hi, I'm Bruce, security here at the hospital, and you're listening to the Healthy Parenting Podcast, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Welcome back. And before we get to today's guest, Let's bring in one of our producers, Bahati, with what's making news in the parenting world. What's Bahati? up, guys? How you doing? Hello. We are having 
A little bit more fun than usual. I see that. I just want to throw that out there. (laughs) Great chemistry. A little more. Great chemistry. All right, so up first, more women donate organs than men. And you're right, Jason. Um, So there was a recent study uh, in the Journal of American Society of Nephrology reported that since 2005, there's been a steady decline, actually, in the number of living kidney donors among women, whereas women have actually remained stable and constant. Yep. <laughs> it's all right. it's all right. And so uh, there's about 60% of people awaiting a kidney transplant are men. Uh, contrast that with women making up around 60% or 6 out of 10 living kidney donors. So that is a really so, interesting so contrast. So gen- my, 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 my gender is taking yes, and yours and is giving. And not giving, giving. yes, exactly. uh, We really appreciate you ladies <laughs> out there. We do. We do. I just want to say that. On behalf of the male population, guys, we need to step our game up. So like you said, Jason, it, it really does kind of point to women have higher levels of altruism um, and often we are seen as uh, the stronger sex. No, I'm just checking. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, oh, the, maybe the emotionally ju- stronger. Yeah, emotionally okay. stronger. We, 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 are, we are a little, uh, I want to say, emotionally mute sometimes. So this has nothing to do with who's pl- pulling the plug, right? No, no, no. Perfect. No, we typically are seen as the caregivers, obviously. We're, tri- we're tri- tri- uh, typically um, the primary caregiver. We're seen as loving and caring. And so some of us may actually feel pressure to donate because... Um, because of these things, especially really? if women, the, for women who've given birth, mm-hmm. you figure you've, you've mm. already gone through this, uh, you know, life-changing um, experience in terms of giving birth to a child. And so if your child, for example, or if you're or, or a spouse or um, a sibling has, a ki- you know, they, they need a kidney, usually women are the first so to raise up. their hands mm-hmm. and step up and say, yep, it's, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. So um, some of the other, um, one of the interesting things that they pointed out, though, were uh, financial issues. So one of the reasons, one of the many theories that they think, the researchers think that women usually are the ones who are are first to donate, it's more financially feasible for women to donate um, if men, if the, if men are, the primary breadwinner, since donors have to take time off from work. So you just gave oh. you just gave my my gender an excuse. Because <laughs> sometimes we're the primary breadwinner, so we can't just donate like that. Yeah. So we expect our significant others to donate on behalf of yes, exactly. Yeah, thank on behalf of the again, home. thank yeah. you, ladies, so much for your uh, altruism <laughs> and humanitarian thoughts. I so I think that you know I kind of want to know more. I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I want to know questions I, and answers. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know more because when they, we're saying that the women make up more, women make up about sixty percent of the living ki- kidney donors. Mm-hmm. So the living versus the the deceased. So I, I don't know. I just I think it'd be safe to assume that the deceased uh, donors would probably be overwhelmingly more female as well. I would I would assume. I was wondering about that. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure about that statistic, but in terms of living kidney donors, Assumption. women, yes. <laughs> women, women are the ones who definitely step up to the plate when it comes to um, donating ki- uh, kidneys, even um, other organs where you think about li- other uh, living um, organs that can be donated are your lung, because oh. we have two, um, your liver, living, wait, I'm sorry, lobes of a liver. Um, d- what? Any, any, li- <laughs> what did you, wait, living back, donor. Was the whole, so long. the living donor, so when you think so about living donors, people who actually can donate a, a, an organ, you could, as you're alive and you could donate your lung. 
we have two. I know I didn't know that either. I had to look it up. I was like, what, really? what can be donated? I know, it's pretty fascinating. Really? Uh, one of two of your liver lobes. Yes. And you know that liver regenerates. And, of course, your kidney. And then there's also parts of your intestine and pancreas that can also be donated huh. from, a living, from a living donor. Really? It's really fascinating. That's, that's a lot of parts of you yes. that you can wow. yes. give away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, you, let me tell you. Donate uh, organ donation mm-hmm. is a fantastic blessing. Yeah, I mean well, it really it really is amazing. I mean, so I'm on the end of the spectrum where I've seen both the donation process mm-hmm. and I've also seen the uh, I guess recepting mm. right? Mm-hmm. right end of the spectrum, and just to see the how it has changed the family's lives on. Both, Both sides, sides mm-hmm. is quite quite powerful. I myself, I'm a I'm a, a donor on my the driver's license. Yep, you can sign up right too. at the DMV yeah, if, most you, if you want to be an organ donor. Mm-hmm. I'm an organ donor. I think that it is, uh, in genuinely the absolute darkest days of a person's life to go ahead and be able to make such a an impact, w- wonderful sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it, it's. I don't. Even, there are no words to describe it. Mm-hmm. That's. I guess I'm. I'm pulling for words because there really aren't words. Yeah. To describe it, and then to see on the other end of the spectrum how it affects a, a child's life, or mm-hmm. I guess an adult's life. Mm-hmm. But I see children. Sorry. So the child's <laughs> life for a child who um, is so sick. Yes. Okay. So I want to. What uh, these kids who have heart problems, who are waiting mm-hmm. heart transplants, and are lethargic and just so tired are the kids who are on dialysis and they could be on dialysis for for years years. I mean really for years Mm -hmm. and the amount and it's not just dialysis I Mm -hmm. mean people don't people think oh they're going for dialysis let me tell you dialysis isn't in and out number Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. dialysis is several hours so you've got a child who's trying to go through school trying Mm -hmm. to live a normal life they're on dialysis they don't feel well they've got numerous lines so I could go on and on so and all of a sudden they get this kidney and no joke like Barring there's no complications, mm-hmm. they're really in and out of the yeah, hospital the rather quickly. It is amazing. We just had our first pediatric kidney transplant. Um, I think wow. it was about a month ago. So, and it, it is pretty amazing how quickly, like you can go from literally just kind of down and out, like you said, yeah. lethargic, sick, and you get this new kidney and it's a match, and all of a sudden you're healthy again. It's like, you know, it's like breathing. It's pretty amazing. Again. Yeah. yeah. My, yeah. my favorite thing to, to ask our, our kidney transplant patients mm-hmm. after they've been transplanted mm-hmm. and they get the okay is, what do you want to eat? <laughs> because you you, because you, they literally go for on this on this diet that's so restrictive. So yeah. restri- they can't yeah. have chocolate, they can't have so many things. No oh citrus, God. no uh, the, the fluid. So you go, what do you want? They go, I want a chocolate milkshake. You're no. like, sure, <laughs> here you go. Take a chocolate milkshake. So no, whatever it's, you want. It's it's really it's 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 really touching thing. It's mm-hmm. a really wonderful thing to mm-hmm. do. Um, and I think that anybody who's interested in becoming even uh, a a blood donor or mm-hmm. a, signing up for is it the bone marrow match mm-hmm. is something that everybody should definitely um, look online, Absolutely. Google search, and find mm-hmm. out more about it. Awesome. I'd say, and just men, just you know, let's let's be a little more. Let's think with our heart a little bit more. Yes. A little bit. Yes. Just, just a little, little bit. bit. Yeah, just a little, little bit. bit. Mm-hmm. So next up, on along those lines of kidneys, keeping your child's kidneys um, healthy. So 
Shannon, you're clearly very passionate, oh, <laughs> very, very passionate. about this topic you and sh- many more topics. You shot but down my kidney beans idea. So, <laughs> I was, I mean. so many habits learned by kids um, can set the stage for kidney health as they get older. So we just wanted to bring you some seven golden rules and uh, for parents and how to protect protect your child's kidneys. And really, kidneys. This is universal. It's not just for children, but for adults as well. These rules are really universal. They they can be applied to both uh, adults and kids. So up first, regular exercise, activity, play, movement, essentially. Obviously, um, anytime you exercise, you're improving your health. You're improving literally every part of your body. Mm -hmm. It feels good, and it keeps um, many parts of your body healthy, including your kidneys, right? Right. Um, Reducing your sugar. So too much sugar leads to high blood sugar levels, which can stress kidneys. And, of course, diabetes, um, one of the symptoms is having that high blood sugar level. So uh, diabetes is the leading cause of kidney failure. Um, an adult, so really? that's something you mm-hmm. want to keep in mind when you're, you know, you we've had sh- a show yes. about this, um, you know, the high sugar oh, energy yes. drinks and yes. the sports and, drinks, oh, yeah, no, really <laughs> limiting those types of beverages and foods in your in your kids' meals and diet, and that also goes along uh, the same line with. Serve your kids water. <laughs> yes. I was just about to say that. Yes. <laughs> Plenty of water. So literally, I remember growing up as a kid, and my beverage of choice was orange soda. Or yeah, no. Seven crap. Crush. Crush. Right. Crush. Yeah, crush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the strawberry and the grape soda. It was crap. It was total crap. Of course. Mm-hmm. And But as a kid, you don't know. No. You don't know. And it tastes delicious. And it tastes delicious. And yeah. I never thought I'd ever just drink water. Every time I thought about water, I'm like, ew, that's nasty. It doesn't have any flavor. Right, no. Today, I pretty much 80% drink water. Uh, yeah, me too. It's me just too. become a habit. Yeah, no, I don't even own soda in my house. Right. Like, I don't buy it. I, w- I weaned it off a long time ago, and it's actually served me quite well. well what I had learned is that, that the reason why I drank soda was not uh-huh. because I liked it. I uh-huh. the carbonation. <laughs> and then, no, it was, I just like the fizz. Yes. I'm like, I love the fizz, you know. <laughs> yes. Then I got into sparkling water and seltzer, oh, and that okay. is it. And, right. and and now that's where if I if I want me some soda uh-huh. for the carbonation, yes. it's, I need some seltzer with a twist of lime. <laughs> with a twist of lime. With a twist of lime. Maybe P- a little orange. Okay, pinky out, pinky out. <laughs> um, moving on, so reducing salt. Obviously, um, salt, sugar, those are those are things that we need, but we're talking about excess. Right. Right. So excess uh, amount of salt uh, leads to excess water retention, which raises your blood pressure. And I believe you mentioned that, Shannon, when you were talking that your kidneys is directly um, tied to your your blood pressure. Your kidneys is directly tied to your heart. Heart. Mm. This is very, very interesting. In fact, in in pediatrics, Uh right, in in pediatrics, if you have high blood pressure, this is very interesting. So the child goes to a pediatrician, you've got high blood pressure, they send you, believe it or not, to To a a nephrologist because your your kidneys may be the cause of an underlying blood pressure issue versus in the adult world, if you have high blood pressure, they send you to a cardiologist. Cardiologist. Wow, Ooh. my brain just grew like so Ooh. much. Wow, You're that's welcome. really, really interesting. Okay. Yes. So um, one last tidbit of information. High <laughs> blood pressure <laughs> is the second cause of kidney failure in adults. So just something to keep in mind. Um, next, maintaining a healthy weight. 
So again, studies have shown that childhood obesity is associated with a higher risk of kidney disease, and this is over time. Any thoughts on childhood obesity? Obviously, obesity is tied to diabetes and high blood pressure, all the, all right. the kind of usual suspects that we think about when we think about chronic um, chronic diseases. Yeah, it's, you know, lack of physical activity, mm-hmm. fast food. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's, it's the whole picture. So it's the obesity now and mm-hmm. where it goes through from there. So it's mm-hmm. obesity now, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's a potential issue with diabetes. Mm-hmm. And then there's the non-compliance with the diabetes. So the right. fact that the pancreas is not working. So there's no insulin that's being produced out of the pancreas. And then it goes, so it just, it just snowballs. Right, okay. absolutely, it snowballs. And so I guess, um, I'm sure Dr. Alex is gonna touch mm-hmm. on it, the difference between, right, the, the this is why in, in children, their kidney problems are mainly something that is they're born with. It's a mm. it's something that that's a they, congenital they, congenital, right? Okay. And then he'll, I'm sure he's going to touch up about yep. the fact that in the adult world, right? This is the difference. This is where it becomes acquired. Okay. Because in the, in the pediatric world, they were they were heavy, and then they were obese, and mm. then they became a, a teenager. Then right. they turned around, they had diabetes, and then as and they just, went into the adult world, right? And now and it goes. Now their eyesight's going, and now they're, mm. they it builds and builds and builds, and then their kidney shut down. Or, you know, the other thing is we don't see as many um, autoimmune disorders in the children as we do in the adult world with a lot of things. Well, I shouldn't say all because I'm sure there are some. No, of course, not, but of course. you know, I, so I don't want to make a blanket statement. But like, let's just talk about like lupus, right? Mm. Mm. Lupus is seen in the pediatric world, but in the adult world, it's more seen. It's more prevalent right. in the adult world. Right. And in the pediatric world, once they are diagnosed with lupus, although it can happen at a very, very young age, it doesn't tend to be. So they age out. So mm-hmm. as their lupus is continuing and now is beating their bite, they're now the adult patient mm-hmm. who doesn't have a kidney function. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is the, the, the congenital versus the acquired kind of aspect of right, things. Right, right. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, last two, use medications properly. So obviously you mentioned compliance. Um, and specifically with uh, around medications, right. so overuse of certain pain medications can actually harm the kidneys. Yeah, that I did not realize. I thought you know your stomach ulcers maybe, but I, I, but I I did not know it could harm our kidneys. Correct. So <laughs> <laughs> correct and correct. So right, the drugs are metabolized in different spots in your body. Right. Correct. One of, one of it <laughs> could be the liver, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the other one, which is Tylenol, which is, uh, unfortunately, you hear about the ch- the person, I shouldn't say child, the person who right, ODs on mm-hmm. Tylenol, and mm-hmm. then they don't pass away from it. They mm-hmm. instead shoot their liver, and that's the end of their liver because, oh. right? Oh, right, mm-hmm. right, right. Versus other medications, which are metabolized through their kidneys. But high doses of aspirin overusing, right, uh, overusing, uh, these uh, NSAIDs can cause stomach ulcers as well. Mm. So uh, anything in too much is excess, bad. Of it's course. a bad and, thing, right? And that's been anything. our phrase on healthy printing forever is that right? excess, anything, is, is right. over excess is bad. So if you're unsure, check with your MD. Yes. And just ask him. I mean, they, you know, hey, I've got these headaches and they're continuous. And I, you know what? I'm having to find myself taking a, a Motrin this amount of times per mm. week. Is this okay? Don't mm. self-medicate. Right. It, they will tell you. I mean, it's it's okay. Over-the-counter medications are over-the-counter mm-hmm. medications. For you a just, reason. If you're on an over-counter medication for greater than 24 to 48 hours, you need to 
be seeking some sort of a medical attention. And even just to say, hey, listen, I know you're a podiatrist, <laughs> but you know, like this is this is what I've been doing. Is this okay? Right. Huh. Right. Seek seek help seek help from a friend. But when it comes to your child's uh, kidneys, right, mm-hmm. to keep them healthy, mm-hmm. most importantly is drinking water, drinking water, and drinking water. You want your child to when they're outside in 103 degree weather here in South Florida and they're running around, you want to make sure that they're drinking water. Yes. That you know people have this myth that they want to be drinking you know things with electrolytes Gatorade, or whatever, yeah. Yeah. all the sugary stuff drink, and then you're yeah. doing a different um, sports uh, sort of uh, a twist on it. We, we want them to, to, to drink, drink water drink and water. as I like to tell my child we want your cl- pee, pee to be clear. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. If it, if I liked how they said you know the these, these were the seven golden rules to protect the kidneys, and I want to be like, are they clear? Right. Because that would really <laughs> protect the kidneys. Exactly. Because, because if it's golden, right. if it's a little too golden, you're just dehydrated, yes. and that's the opposite yes. of what we want. Yes, yes, Absolutely. Yes. And last but not least, uh, get regular checkups, obviously. Check obviously. in with your pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Make sure that um, everything's... A-okay. All right. Thank you so well, much, guys. Great excellent, discussion. excellent coffee chat. Bahati, it's always a pleasure. Before we get to today's special guest, here's a word from our sponsor. Patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com slash care. Welcome back, and thank you once again for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Dr. Constantinescu. Welcome, thank welcome, doctor. Thank you for inviting me. What is the history of Memorial's Pediatric Kidney Transplant Program? Memorial Kidney Transplant Program was envisioned to provide this therapy for both adult and pediatric patients with advanced kidney failure. For years, patients on dialysis or with advanced kidney failure not yet on dialysis of all ages were evaluated at other centers, some in state, some out of state. Okay. Some in state, some out of state. Do we evaluate them here? Yes. Was it necessary to create a program in South Broward? Unfortunately, the waiting time for a kidney transplant has become longer and longer. Wow, I can imagine. And patients in our county had fewer options for pre-transplant evaluation, even for those with a potential living donor some with very little ability to commute to existing transplant programs. Therefore, it became a logical solution to create a kidney transplant center closer to home. How many pediatric transplants um, have been performed to this date? Well, so as a young program just approved by both CMS and ACA for performing deceased donor and living donor kidney transplants for patients of all appropriate ages, in the six months following the first transplant, there were 19 kidney transplants completed. Wow. And a month ago, having been the first pediatric recipient, mm-hmm. we're also following children with functioning kidney uh, transplants who received their kidney at other centers, some more than 10 years ago. Now, is there more than one type of uh, kidney transplant that's available? Yes, there are deceased 
donor kidney transplants and living donor kidney transplants. You can transplant diseased, deceased? Um, uh, really? So a kidney from a deceased donor means that after the donor was declared brain dead, mm -hmm. the organs are first matched against a national list of potential recipients, ultimately attributed to the recipient with the highest number of accumulated points. This is in comparison to a living donor, in which case the recipient and the donor are matched in advance and the surgery is planned. Can anybody become a living kidney donor, or how does it work? Basically, any person older than 18 years of age can ask to be evaluated. And if certain conditions are met, he or she can be considered for kidney donation. We have a very active living donor team, and uh, they can provide the uh, prospective donors, guide them through all the necessary steps. Now, to be a kidney donor, is it just as simply as walking in and getting that, that donor sticker on your driver's license, or is it a little bit more concise I than that? I would love it to be that simple. Okay. But after evaluation is completed and no additional diseases of concern are detected, mm -hmm. then the living donor team makes all the necessary arrangements. What happens during a living kidney transplant? Good question. Once determined that the donor and recipient are a match, a final test is performed just to make sure that the recipient will not have a reaction to the donor kidney. The surgery then proceeds by taking one kidney from the donor, implant it into the recipient, with the recipient being under the protection of special medications to prevent rejection. Both patients are monitored closely, and anti-rejection medications are adjusted based on the recipient's characteristics. Now, is this as similar to like uh, blood transfusion? Do they have to be the same blood type? In order they to have to be the same blood type. Okay. That's the first requirement. Okay, okay. So what can patients and families expect after a kidney transplant? A significant improvement in quality of life, that's for sure. Not needing dialysis, not having uh, to deal with fluid restrictions, in fact the opposite, and in addition having more energy. Uh, close monitoring of blood tests, medication levels, uh, infection prevention, and blood pressure, just mm -hmm. to name a few, are being carried out at various intervals, obviously much more frequent at the beginning. Now, kidney transplants are incredibly invasive. Can you elaborate on what diagnoses would, would uh, elicit such a procedure? So for children, the majority of patients have congenital renal disease. Okay. Half of them uh, are on dialysis due to that particular congenital anomaly. Then, uh, as the adults, they develop acquired uh, renal diseases such as glomerulonephritis, uh, focal segmental glomerulosclerosis, a scarring disease of the filters, uh, diabetic nephropathy, hypertensive nephropathy. These, the latter two, are very uncommon in pediatric population. What do you mean, what's the difference between congenital versus acquired? So congenital means that you were born with this uh, anatomical or functional defect, and acquired, it's secondary to an acute event. Uh, like an infection or? Maybe Correct. Okay. An infection or an acute immunologic process. So when you're a recipient of a kidney transplant, do you get two kidneys? No, just one. Just one, and you function? Right. How does a uh, body function? Does it function normally? It's a great thing that the kidney does. It adapts to the size of the recipient. Okay, well, in the highly unlucky chance that the kidney is rejected by the body, what then would happen? What would be the next course of action? First is uh, accurate diagnosis. 
uh, and then therapy according to the type of rejection that uh, the patient has developed. Is there a chance of removing the kidney because it's or, or well, we hope not. That was the reason why. We of course, of course. <laughs> so, if I tomorrow decide that I'm going to donate my kidney, and I decide that it's going to go to, can I decide if it's going to go to my son or what happens if my son and I aren't a match, but my son, God forbid, needs a kidney transplant? How how does this work? First, you call the transplant center. Mm-hmm. Then they will guide you through all the steps. And if, let's say, there is no uh, match between you and the prospective uh, recipient, then there is a pair donation, uh, which you can donate to somebody, uh, and then somebody else from that family can donate to a member of your family. Oh, okay. Now, if you, you decide to donate your kidney and... Are you allowed to say, you know, this is where I want it to go, or are you just donating it to the medical field and then they will match it accordingly? So the transplant coordinators mm. will be guide you through all the necessary steps <laughs> and <they'll> answer <laughs> all your questions. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, we are not new to the dialysis aspect no, of, of care, but uh, the kidney transplant program is something for both children and adults that is new so, or? A memorial has embarked on a vision uh, to provide this uh, special therapy to people of all ages, pediatric and adult. And so we are just the one unit and it makes it easy for the pediatric patients then to be transitioned to the uh, adult care model once they turn a certain age. Is there anything you'd like to add, Dr. Alex? Well, I would like to believe that patients will continue to place their trust in our transplant team. Thank you so much for coming out here. Dr. Alex, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. This is an excellent resource. And thank you. Pleasure. And thank you for joining us at Healthy Parenting. Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Like our Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital's Facebook page and share Healthy Parenting with others.